And welcome to She Talks Law, a podcast by Nixon Peabody. I'm Jennifer Javesky, but you can call me Jen. She Talks Law is a celebration of women business owners and women entrepreneurs across industries. Each episode provides legal education for women in business and shares tools for success in our personal and professional lives. I'm thrilled you're here listening to us. I want to give you some background on why I started She Talks Law. A Yale-led study found that a record number of women left the workforce in 2020 because of inequalities in telecommuting during the pandemic. That trend impacted women across all industries and even across various countries. Women in business need to support, encourage, and empower one another. Let's provide each other with the tools we need to succeed in our personal and professional lives. That's why I created this forum, as a way for women to support each other, especially women in business. She Talks Law is a way for me to offer some tidbits as a legal professional. It's also an opportunity for Nixon Peabody colleagues, firm clients, and community members to come together, share their perspectives, and empower other women to succeed. My goal is that as women re-enter the workforce and face the challenges of a post-pandemic world, that we move forward together, stronger than ever. Without further ado, I'm joined today by my friends, Jenny Holmes, who's an attorney here at Nixon Peabody. I myself am also an attorney here at Nixon Peabody, and I'm also joined by our guest, Chandra Whitley. Jenny is the deputy leader of Nixon Peabody's cybersecurity and privacy team. Jenny advises clients on the ever-changing legal landscape of data privacy and cybersecurity law. Chandra Whitley is an advocate and advisor in the technology and security industry. For the last 16 years, she has tirelessly worked to make sure business needs and solutions are aligned. She currently runs with the wolf pack. I love this, Chandra. (laughs) Arctic wolf, to be exact. She is an enterprise account executive over Arctic wolf. Arctic wolf is a security operations leader in this space. And the mission is clear, just end cyber risk. Chandra has also launched her own technology and consulting business, along with a side venture, the food service industry, focused on charcuterie boards. Love this. (laughs) Love that. In case you haven't guessed it already, we're going to be discussing cybersecurity and privacy. Specifically today, we're going to be going over... First, the legal landscape. Jenny will give us a little overview of what the legal landscape looks like. Um, Talk a little bit about the two camps of laws that we have with security and privacy and what the law requires business owners to do. And then we're going to switch gears and talk with Chandra a little bit about how we're going to then implement those legal requirements practically into businesses. And then finally, we're also going to be setting some New Year's resolutions with 2022 on the horizon. And if you're listening to this in 2022, it's still important to focus on those resolutions and make sure that you're implementing them in 2022 and beyond. So we'll be talking about some tips and tricks of things that you need to keep in mind in the turn of the year. So Without further ado, Jenny, I'd like to turn the floor over to you 
and you can go right ahead. Well, thank you. Um, I think this is such an important topic for so many reasons. And Jen and I, when we were planning this, um, you know, the timing is just great because on one hand, you know, it's holiday season. We are all doing so much online shopping. And whether you are a business owner with, um, you know, ramping up sales, both online and in person, or if you're just someone who's shopping, you know, we're going to discuss ways that you can protect yourself and protect your identity. Um, and, you know, companies have more information on us than we can even fathom. Um, you know, I saw a joke the other day, a very popular app that we all listen to our music on has made a game out of it almost. You see people posting on their social media, you know, their top songs of 2021 and how cool that is that you're in the top 3% of Taylor Swift listeners. And no, I'm not speaking about myself personally, (laughs) Um, but you know, that's all fun and games, but think about how much these companies know about us. Um, You know, based on mine alone, I'm sure they know that I'm, you know, a female, I have a small child. I like to get my news from this source. So maybe my political leanings are this way. And it's just wild the amount of uh, information that companies hold on us. Um, And so as a result of that, over the past few years now, we have seen the United States really start to have a focus on how to protect this privacy. Um, you know, it's it's odd. There's no right to privacy in the Constitution. You would think that there is, but there really isn't. So it it's coming down to states developing their own privacy laws um, to really regulate how businesses are handling our information. So when we're talking about the legal landscape, there are a few different ways to look at it. Um, on the highest level, you know, federal nationwide laws are really industry specific. And that's what you think about when you think about healthcare laws, HIPAA, um, banking, uh, really industry specific that may not apply to most companies. Um, and so as a result, we're seeing more and more at the state level. So you have these comprehensive privacy laws that are now coming up. And we're taking a page from the European Union's book, and they were the first ones in 2018 to come out with this overarching, I almost said overreaching, which some may think that's the case too, (laughs) but overarching privacy laws that finally give individuals rights to their personal information. And it was this novel law that came out. Nobody had considered it before. Like, oh, this company has all of this information on me. I should be able to access that. I should be able to change it or I should be able to ask them to delete it. Um, So that really changed the way that companies thought about the personal information that they had. So flash forward, um, you know, a year and we see California, which is often a leader in the privacy space. California developed a very similar law. And so what that law um, at a very high level does is it creates rights for individuals as it pertains to their personal information. So um, companies who collect information of California residents and and meet certain thresholds in terms of revenue um, now have to offer individuals a right to access their personal information or delete it. Um, There are prohibitions on the sale of personal information and sale is being 
interpreted very broadly. So, you know, this is requiring companies to look at all of their service provider contracts and really make sure that there is language in there prohibiting further use. So companies don't have carte blanche to do what they want with your data. So that's these privacy laws that we're seeing. And, and, you know, as we're looking towards 2023, Virginia and Colorado have already passed their own versions of this. Um, You know, I think Chandra will absolutely agree with me that this is just the start. Um, And, you know, really what I would expect to happen unless we get a federal uh, privacy law, which there are talks, but it never goes anywhere, is eventually we're going to have a patchwork of, you know, 50 state privacy laws. And it's just going to become like sort of a zero sum game. The most stringent is the one that all companies have to comply with. That has to be really scary because I'm thinking in the shoes of a woman in business, like you're just if you're running a business or you're involved in any sort of business, really with this world, like we're all virtual. And so I don't know whether New York law applies or California law applies. Like if my information, if I'm located here in New York, but, you know, I'm I'm working with an app that is maybe created in California or something mm-hmm. else. And I'm sharing information down in Florida or Virginia or wherever it can be really confusing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a challenge. And then to think about how to make all of these laws work together, mm-hmm. right? So that it doesn't become a total prohibition on your business right. efficiency, you know, how to leverage, okay, I comply with California, but now these three States, how can I take what I've done in California and apply it to mm-hmm. these three States? Um, and so, so, you know, a lot of what we're seeing are companies who are subject to this California law are just giving all all individuals these rights rather than try to segregate, okay, only my California consumers can um, access their information. We're just going to do, quote unquote, the right thing and allow all individuals to access their in- information. Um, but then, you know, there's this whole other camp of cybersecurity laws. And we saw it with um, the New York Shield Act, which Shonda and I have talked at length about. This was actually, so this was like our 2019, um, the New York Shield Act came into effect March 20 or March 2020. Um, And it was probably the most anticlimactic thing because we were all worried about the pandemic, right? Right. So there had been all this buildup for complying with the SHIELD Act. And then it was like, oh, it came and went. Um, But surprise, the law still came into effect, (laughs) even with the pandemic. Um, And the SHIELD Act is is really one of the first laws that's not industry specific in New York. It's just, it applies to every business entity that collects personal information about any New York resident. There is no threshold on it. And it lists certain security requirements that you must have. Um, So rather than focusing on the privacy of individuals, it's focusing on the protection of that information. So having a written information security program, you know, having data retention limits, um, access limits, things like that, that, you know, in the industry, we would consider those best practices, but now it's actually required by law. So, you know, there are all these different aspects of the privacy and cybersecurity world and how to balance it while still having an efficient business. And look, we know companies need personal information. We know that, you know, there's value in that. Often personal information of your consumers is one of your biggest assets. Right. It helps you drive and make decisions. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it has 
like it or not, our information has dollar values for these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, the, the real struggle and the challenge, I shouldn't say struggle, let's put a positive spin. The challenge and, and the goal here is how we can work all of these together, all these laws together, still have our efficient business practices, avoid cyber risk and and do what's right by our consumers, our constituents, our clients, um, and still have a successful business. And, you know, these laws sound like a lot. There's so much to them. They're detailed and nitty gritty, but they're the kind of laws that if you take them step by step, you can, that compliance can be achieved and it can be achieved efficiently and, you know, quite seamlessly, I think, um, as long as you just sort of break it down. Jenny, to confirm, is there a, an employer size, an employee size rather, or does this apply all across the board, all businesses in New York for the New York Shield Act. The Shield Act applies across the board, all businesses, um, not just in New York. It's anybody who collects the information of New York residents. There is a little caveat in there that your uh, information security program is appropriate to the size of your business. And they do list out some thresholds if you have less than 50 employees. Yeah, and then there's a revenue. A revenue, yeah. Then you, it's so funny because we haven't looked at like this. I know. This was, we were proactive in planning this in t- December of 2019. And here we are talking about it in it's December of 2021. 2021. And people mm-hmm. still haven't implemented any Exactly. Of it. Well, everyone was so focused on getting the protections, the health and safety protections for COVID mm-hmm. that they didn't even have time to stop and think about this. So. Exactly. Great that we're having this conversation now. So, yeah, it's just appropriate. So, you know, I think there is some wiggle room for smaller employers to or smaller businesses, you know, to modify the plans. You don't have to have the same security measures as the huge companies that are collecting our information, you know, again and again and again. Um, But definitely still steps that you should take, you need to take in order to protect the business. Um, Because, you know, as I'm sure we will hear from Chandra, Cyber attacks are happening all the time. They're happening across all industries. They're happening to all sizes. There is no discrimination here about who cyber criminals are targeting. And I have heard a lot of companies say, you know, I'm small potatoes. You know, I don't I don't have that much information. I don't have that many assets. Um, But, you know, I think cyber criminals also say, like, okay, small potatoes, good practice. You know, let me work on these smaller companies that may not have as good security measures so I can work my way up to those larger entities. Um, and so, you know, often... Which could be devastating to a smaller business. I mean, it just takes one hacker. Exactly. And there's so many costs involved, not just dollar amounts. I mean, we're at the point now where I think a lot of people have become desensitized to hearing that there's been a breach of their personal information. But in the same breath, you know... You do look differently at that company. You do think about storing your credit card on their e-commerce site or, you know, providing additional information so that you can review or read their uh, newsletter when it comes out monthly. You know, things like that. It's really that reputational cost that I think is more devastating than even the dollar cost of remediating breaches. For smaller businesses, what are you seeing as like the dollar amount that people are losing that could be the expense of one hack? 
Like, what are you seeing? You know, if you look at the average cost of a data breach from last year's reports, it was over $8 million. And that, but that's average. So that's looking at small businesses, medium size, large yeah. businesses combined. But you even take a fraction of that and you call it even 100,000, 500,000. Like, that's devastating for a small business. Like, they don't, they don't have that kind of cash to do it. And, you know, the, the cyber insurance is a whole different world that's upside down. So a lot of people, you know, went into getting cyber insurance thinking that would help back, you know, some of that stuff if it happened. And now the cyber insurance world is upside down too. Mm -hmm. They just didn't expect what is going on out there. And so now they're rethinking all of that stuff too. Hey, do you have these things in place? And it all ties together to Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Like when you look at privacy laws and you look at Shield Act and, you know, you look at the different things that are part of a good cybersecurity program, they're all tied in together. And that's really now even what the cyber insurance world is trying to figure out too how do you make sure that they actually have all these things because it wasn't it wasn't in that much of a depth before but now they have to just because even the small businesses it's like you know paying out it used to be even two years ago like a small like incident would cost maybe twenty thirty thousand dollars and that was what the ransom is and now it's not even close like it's it's 10 times that no yeah that's it and that can totally wipe out i'm thinking like the businesses that have like under 20 employees especially you know, that could wipe you out completely. So it's certainly important to keep all of these things in mind, but where do you start? Like, where would a business owner start, Jenny? Like if a client comes to you, what's the first step that you're going to take to say, let's look at this, let's come up with the right plan. They've been so focused on a lot of these businesses have been focused on, you know, making sure that they're protected from a COVID standpoint or getting their feet under them again in a financial standpoint in the post pandemic world. So now to think about cyber, how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's so true. It's often, I think cyber is one thing that can, especially in the past, you know, two years of the way the world's been, has been pushed to the side. And so I think it's so great we're having this conversation to bring it, you know, to the front burner. But, you know, like what I said, a lot of times it's just taking it step by step. So the first step that I always have is just a conversation to figure out where is your personal information coming from? Do you have a website? On that website, do you have an online store? Are you having the individual sign up for a newsletter or marketing emails? Um, I call it a data mapping exercise. And we find out all the points of personal information or sensitive information that you're getting and keeping in mind that that can still be hard copy. Um, You know, paper, physical paper is not gone yet. Um, And then also online. And we sort of follow where that data goes. So, you know, once you collect it, what vendors are you using? Are you using a payment card processor or, you know, a, a client relations manager? or some type of marketing email communicator um, and really just following that data through its lifespan, including how long it's going to be kept. Um, Because, you know, the longer it's kept, the more, you know, you're holding on to more and more data and that's more and more access points for, you know, if that breach happens, more and more people you have to notify. Um, And so really, once we have that exercise in place, we can do an evaluation of what laws actually apply. Because I just listed out the litany of laws. And honestly, you know, most of them, I would say, aren't going to apply to every single business. Um, You know, a lot of them are best practices. So we do discuss, you know, picking and choosing what we can as best practices. But, um, you know, the, the... 
most of them aren't going to apply to the small businesses, all of them. Obviously, New York Shield Act will, but CCPA has a $25 million annual revenue. So that's, you know, hopefully excludes a lot of small business owners. Um, But really just taking a look at where that data is, what laws apply, and then talking about any practices you have in place to protect that data right now and how maybe we can strengthen or add to those. Or if you have nothing in place, that's totally fine too. Let's take it from from the beginning. Um, And, you know, we really work on writing policies that can be implemented, procedures um, that make sense for the business. You know, um, a lot of times what I see is an incident response policy. So when a data breach happens, you know, you pull this incident response policy off the shelf and someone will say, oh, I, you know, I Googled it. I got it off Google. And it's like, okay, well, do you have... I love that. I also hate... That reminds me too of instances where you're like playing Dr. Google too Mm -hmm. and you look at all the symptoms online oh, guilty. and you're like, oh, I'm definitely, definitely I'm sick like that. So I, I yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Guilty of that as well. But so these cybersecurity on Google. On yes. Google. Uh-huh. It is 100%. It is. <laughs> Nothing against yeah. Google, but Sometimes still. Sometimes you have to pay for it too. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this incident response policy looks great, but do you have a director of IT or do you have a chief information security officer? Like this policy doesn't work for you. Um, so, you know, that's my big push is, um, yes, it's more time consuming, but like when push comes to shove, we need these policies to work for you um, and your industry and your specific, you know, if you call your customers or clients or, you know, vice versa, um, making sure that it's your language and it, it, you know, it fits your brand. So really getting all those policies in place and making sure that the, the business has the capabilities to implement them. As a lawyer, I can only do so much of that. And then we need another firm or someone with the technical wherewithal to implement them. I don't know what you what you guys typically do. Yeah, well, in the incident response plan, like it's the biggest, you know, even with with what we're seeing, it, you know, you, you you take the template that you found on, on Google and then you have like if, if people if that's what people are using and you have to do something different with it. And even to the point of like once an incident really happens, like have you actually tested that? out have you done a tabletop with your team to know that when that happens that those things really matter and that that's what you're actually going to take action on in in things to the point of a lot of times they don't have like their PR figured out they don't have their their first call should be and this isn't just a plug for for the attorneys but it should be like Mm -hmm. you because there is a client privilege there and so Mm -hmm. the first call during an incident should be with your attorney so many people you know end up calling their their cyber insurance carrier and then you're then you're doing something different and then you are under a different you know you're in a different mode and a different relationship and so you know having that incident response plan and what that looks like. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know that like I've always been a big advocate, like I, it's the people and processes. You have to have those figured out first and the tools and the technology need to be able to blend with it. It's not an all in one absolutely. when you're doing it. It doesn't, you can't take business a and think it's the exact same as business B. Like it, it doesn't work that way. People are going to put in different antivirus. They're going to put in different firewalls. They're going to have different servers. There's going to be a mismatch. There's a lot of technology. There's over 3000 vendors in the cybersecurity space. 
there's, you know, billions of dollars being spent and yet we still have an effectiveness problem. It's because we haven't figured out how to blend those people and process side of what you're really doing and helping see the the law and like what that looks like and then making sure that they have the incident response process in place along with saying like hey take all those tools and technology and like figure out like where do they go like what are, what are they going into where are they feeding into like are they working correctly for you or not mm-hmm. exactly and i i'm also seeing this so I'm in the corporate department here at Nixon Peabody, and my focus is on mergers and acquisitions. And one thing that I recently saw in one of my deals come up was our client was purchasing the assets of another company, and that company had experienced a HIPAA breach. It was a health, it was in the healthcare industry, and there wasn't a whole lot of information that they could really give us, unfortunately. Um, ultimately it, it did end up getting settled out and getting resolved, but it was very unclear. And, and we still don't know to this day exactly what happened and what the response plan was to that HIPAA breach. Now, of course, you know, the healthcare industry having the HIPAA laws, that's a whole nother segment, which we can happily cover if you'd like to, (laughs) but (laughs) that's a whole nother segment of privacy and security. But it just goes to show the importance, even when you don't think that something like this is important, it can come up in other areas. Like when you're going to sell your business or merge with another business, it can certainly come up at other other times. So it's important to think of it now. And also to your point, it is important to plug in with your attorney and plug in with someone like from Arctic Wolf Mm -hmm. or someone else, because ultimately it takes a village to run these businesses. And we can't know everything and expect our HR person or our IT person to know absolutely everything in that space. So, so reaching out and getting the procedures and policies in place now, and we saw this with COVID, not that we could expect that or anything, but reaching out and getting those policies and procedures in place now is going to then help businesses in the long run. And I think to circle back to something Chandra said, and this is something I actually learned, I think one of the first times I presented with you is that the first time you're, you know, reading these policies shouldn't be when the incident has happened or shouldn't be when someone asks you, oh, what's our password policy? I mean, these policies, yes, they can be written and they can be stored, but you need to keep revisiting them. And these tabletop exercises that Chandra mentioned are so important so that all the key players know what to do. So, you know, you're not looking up, hopefully my phone number, you know, in the event of an incident or, you know, trying to figure out who knows who the cyber insurance broker is. Um, you know, if you have a an Arctic wolf that you want to work with, you know, having that contact already made so that when the incident happens, you're not, you know, reviewing different proposals. Um, that's so important. It's huge. And I will just add to that, you know, really a combo of what both of you just said. It's, it really is a, it's a village. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a complete village. It takes a team to do it. When you say, you know, you don't know, like if somebody had a breach or not, the stuff that is out on the dark web is absolutely incredible. And you don't, you don't want to be figuring it out, you know, 50% of companies were breached last year. And that's just reported breaches. That's not people that had incidents that didn't have to be reported as a breach. Right. Because a lot of people were probably trying to self-help too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't like in under certain, if you're not under a certain regulation, a lot of times you don't even have to report it as a breach. So you can, it can still be defined as an incident, but it wasn't actually, you know, the the B word that nobody wants to hear. (laughs) Yeah. But to your, to your point, Jenny, of what you said, it's, you know, you can't be figuring out those relationships when something happens. Mm -hmm. You 
establish the relationships, establish knowing you have, you know, you have an attorney to talk to, you have somebody that you can ask questions to, knowing you have security advisors that you could go to yes. and ask questions to, because you don't want to be figuring that out. And you don't want to find out in your incident response plan that somebody is named and they don't even know that they're named. And mm-hmm. so they're not expecting a phone call. They're not, they don't even, they don't even know that they were part of the incident response plan. Or like, my favorite is someone's in the incident response plan by like, not by title. I tend to do it by title. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I'll see them with actual names. Oh, she hasn't been at the company for three years. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And, and that's one so now what? We have to go find her. Well, and that's one of the biggest things. Change is the only constant right now. And has we've seen that more than ever over the last couple of years. And so you can't just leave even that instant response plan that you created and you were proactive because you were going to do the SHIELD Act when it was coming out. And, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of times that we prepped, we prepped all these organizations back in like 2019 to say, okay, like, let's talk about what shield app looks like. Let's talk about how that's going to be implementing your business. And then I think a lot of it fell by the wayside. And so probably those original incident response plans that we were trying to give people templates and be helping and trying to like, you know, really like get down for their business. They're probably the same exact ones. Mm -hmm. And those people probably don't even work there anymore. So, you know, you got to look at it and say, is it, is it real? And also like even just forms of communication, I think like, you know, I'm going down this incident response, um, you know, rep here, but I think it's important because people don't even think about things like, Hey, like if our email is out, but yet you plan on email communicating to all of your employees, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if, if everything's out and we're unplugged, like I actually sat through, um, an incident in 2018 where, um, we actually Arctic Wolf, I wasn't even working for Arctic Wolf at the time, but Arctic Wolf actually, um, detected and contained, um, ransomware that came into an environment. The FBI didn't even notify until, okay, wait, pause ransomware. Break it down to the basics here. I'm hearing a lot of words like ransomware and firewall. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not in that world. I don't know what that means. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, it's so fair. I'm like, I just, I know it's your world. It's a different language. It is. It's like a different language. Yeah. And so I guess the the simple, I never thought about the simplest way um, to approach it, but the, the reality is there's just, it used to be very targeted. The industry's financial was a huge target. So I remember, you know, when I was first getting into security, like many years ago, and it was really just financial institutions that I was working with. They were the only ones bank, you know, targeted, you know, hackers were going for the banks because they had the money. And that's really what it was. And now it's, you know, basically saying, hey, we're, we have your data, like we're going to hold it for ransom. Oh, okay. And so it's like, hey, we got in, here's your data. And here's actually, you know, we, we can show you, look, it's out on the dark web. We're going to post it out on the dark web. And you can't use any of your systems. You can't use any of your systems. Well, held up. until you pay us. And so this incident that um, that happened um, with one of my... Oh, it's like, that's a good plot for a Lifetime movie, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm well, seeing that. And it's, and it's, if you watch what happens during it, it's really, um, like, you don't, everybody always thinks it's not going to happen. And like, that's, that's kind of the problem. Like when there's, when you're getting attacked, like it's, it's happening across every industry Mm -hmm. and even to people that have like all the right controls too. And so like the client that I'm talking about wasn't, it's not like a multinational, huge, you know, Amazon, Google, the world. It wasn't anybody like that. It was 
a business that was built from the ground up by people that worked really hard. And then they, you know, were targeted. They ended up getting in. It was a business email compromise, which is one of the biggest attack factors, one of the easiest ways to get in now. And it, and it was, it was like, Hey, like it was nice Arctic Wolf. Like that's our whole point is that we assume the breach. We assume that, you know, people are going to get in because that's what's going to happen. And so we contain it and then work like on the guided remediation of what happens next. So we were working with, you know, the PR, the cyber insurance carrier, all of that. But you have to, in that time though, you have to go through and do all the forensics to see like, where is it? And then where, like, if, if something comes into your environment, that the problem with when you mentioned, like, you don't know what ransomware is and what it looks like. So many people, like it, there's over 200 days that latent threats are sitting in environments and people don't even know. So people are always saying like, everyone's just, and not for right or wrong, just people are doing their best. Like they're doing right. their everyday job. Like you're not, mm-hmm. I live in a cyber world. I'm thinking about cyber attacks every day. Not everybody's sitting around wondering if they're getting attacked and what that would look like. Which I think brings us to a great point that that cybersecurity awareness training should be a regular training for all of your employees. It doesn't matter their level because, um, you know, Chandra just mentioned the business email is often how we see these bad actors get in. And, yep. you know, you hear words like spoofing, you know, someone's pretending to be someone else, phishing, they're trying to get you to click on a link, spear phishing, they're like definitely targeting you specifically. I think that many shoe companies do that it's, with me. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when I, I can be thinking about the pair that I want and then I log online and up pops the app. Well, that is a whole other, that is another <laughs> discussion, these targeted ads. Oh, goodness. But, you know, it's, I always say like our employees can be our biggest vulnerabilities or our best line of defense and training them on how to spot these, these links or these bad actors is so important. And then, you know, while we're on the training piece of this, another thing that I think is so important is to train your employees on these policies. You know, we've already talked about the importance of making sure that the policies work for your company and aren't from, you know, the shelf, but it's so important that your people know the policy. They're your first line of defense. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, I just love it that you, um, I don't even know if you know that you just gave us the plug because that's, we, we launched our managed awareness not too long ago, about a quarter ago. And really to your point, it's about changing behavior. And so I think this whole, the entire industry and everything with cybersecurity and privacy, it's a changed behavior and that we really just, you know, okay. as a bigger picture and, you know, there's a lot of things happening at a geopolitical level and globally, and there's a lot of other bigger stuff happening, but just in our individual, like, are we aware? Do we know what a phishing looks like? And and then also, you know, too many problems with um, the security awareness training is that people would do it once and say, mm-hmm okay, check the box. Yep. I did it. Like I did my job and I, I did it. And I, I sat through my 45 minute module and I'm good. And the problem is, you know, 80% of what adults learn, they forget within 30 days. And so if you are not consistently doing that, um, that is a huge problem. And so, you know, it, what are, we launched that because we realized like our modules are three to five minutes. And so it's saying a hey, three to five minutes and relevant. Like when stuff happened mm-hmm. with Colonial Pipeline, it was saying, hey, look at like, this is what happened. Like everyone saw it all over the news and it was it blew up in the media and but it was hey what actually happened there and what does that look like for you as like an individual business or employee or you know it's not just the big companies and so you take it into your everyday of like make sure you're looking out for these things and make sure you're doing it frequently like if you're not doing it 
you know, bi-weekly, monthly, and you're not remembering that stuff, everyone just gets lost in, in their own world of what they're right. doing. And so you forget about the important, like the basics. Right now, people are so busy with the holidays yep. that they are so much more, the, the alert, like the stuff that is going on in the cyber world right now is crazy. What kind of cyber threats right now are? So I actually heard on the news this morning, like the biggest and no surprise, but the biggest like individual level uh, personal information hacking that we're seeing right now are people are getting emails purporting to be tracking for a shipment. You know, so many people are um, which are with the shipping online. delays and everything shipping delays. that is not uncommon. And there's one right now that's going out that says, you know, you're. Uh, your shipment's been delayed. You have to click on this link to tell us you still want it. If you don't, we're going to cancel it. So you click on the link because you want your package. You want to get that present for your, you know, your great aunt. And, you know, like Chandra said, we're so busy that like, we're just clicking. We're not thinking about it. This time of year always amps up. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a quick hit. Like some of the things that you see when you see like the huge numbers associated with a lot of the big companies and the ransomware that happened there, that's one piece of it. But there's a lot of people that are just going for the quick hit. I mean, this is their job. Like similar to how like we have our individual job, their job is to sit there and they get paid. It's, you know, they're getting paid to get in. They get in and they get like, they actually take that ransom. Like they're a business, like they're, these ransomware companies that are out there, like all the groups that are doing it, they're businesses. They're, they're making money and they're making money by saying, Hey, we got your data. Like, do you want it back? And, you know, and actually a lot of people end up like paying, you know, there's this mixed theory of, do you pay the ransom? Do you not pay the ransom? You know, people go back and forth about it, but you know, a lot of times people end up like there's even ransomware as a service. So there's companies that will actually negotiate, they know how to negotiate with the ransomware people so that that way, like they can make it so they know like how much, you know, they'll be willing to give you your data back for. And in a lot of cases, like people do end up paying out the ransom and they get their data back because if not, like if they, if they then went and released the, um, the information to the dark web, they wouldn't be in business. It's their so reputation. They're, they're, it's sure. a, sadly, it's the ransomware company's reputation. Uh-huh. And so they need to give the data back because they're saying, Hey, you paid us. We'll give you your stuff back. Now we can go on to the next. We just wow. did a ransomware attack that we advised on the legal side of it. And, um, you know, we were working with the FBI and the FBI, you know, we had done all of the foreign, you know, check the box to make sure that, you know, you're not negotiating with terrorists and all that. And the FBI was like, oh, this is this is a reputable ransomware attack group mm-hmm. that they will delete your data if you pay. Yeah. And it was just like, OK, this is a reputable ran- yeah. like reputable wow. cyber. Attackers. I would never put those two words together, uh-huh. reputable and ran- ransomware. I mean, and these these groups are well known. They're all over the world. Um, and then when you see one shut down because they were caught or whatever, and their name was out in the public and stuff, and then you'll see them pop up and it's same people just under, now they form a new company. And so now they're, they're doing it under, but there are ones that are more reputable than others, like sadly, but okay. it's, it's just the truth of it. And it's, it's not even like, I'm laughing about it, but I'm only laughing about it because it's just, we are in this crazy world right now of just like, where do you start? Like, where do you begin? Like, if if you see what goes on and you see, like, we see all the threat intelligence and we have like a, you know, a dozen commercial threat intelligence feeds. We have like security operations center of like 500 people looking at just alerts and stuff. So when you, if you see it from that level, 
it'll make you sick. It'll make you stay awake every night and like think about it. But it's about like just going back to like, you know, the, the basics of like, hey, just just start somewhere and like start by like getting a team of people that can actually like help you and just like at least that you can call. Too many times, like we try to tell people to be proactive and you know this just as well as I do. Like they're not most people are not proactive with their cyber stuff. They always think it's not going to happen to them. And so they're on the reactive side. But even if you're on the reactive side, like just try to make a list of people that you would reach out to, like if something happened, because you're going to need to know how to do something pretty quickly. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times people think that way about attorneys too. They think, oh, we just need to call our attorney when something goes wrong. But it's better to have attorneys, like a trusted team, your village, your village, right? Set up to help support you to avoid those consequences. In addition to also having your employees trained and the individuals that are at your company all um, on the same page when it comes to these plans. Now, I think it would be a good idea. Let's set some resolutions. What should our 20, what would a 2020 resolution 2022. I can't believe we're already in 2022. No, not at all. My mind, my mind goes back to that. It's interesting because I I keep hearing on, on the news when I'm, you know, driving into work and stuff, people are saying, Oh, I can't wait for a year from now when this is all over with. And I remember saying that in 2020 and Mm -hmm. here we are again, we're in this new normal, but new normal that we also have to deal with all of these cybersecurity Mm -hmm. issues and privacy issues too. So forward thinking, or again, if you're in, if we are listening to this and you're already in 2022, what things should people keep in mind in 2022 and beyond uh, best practices when it comes to uh, privacy? A few things. I think the first step, and like, if you're only going to do one resolution, if you're only going to the gym for one month, let's say. Um, yes. And we want to <laughs> keep this realistic because exactly. the gym example, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a, I would say it's a crisis. <laughs> so keeping this easy for you, one task. Let's figure out what data you have. Because I think so often, like, we aren't even thinking about all the different ways we're getting data. You know, I have so many um, companies that I work with that are like, oh, we don't necessarily have customers. Like, we're B2B. We don't have any personal information. I go, well, do you have employees? Like, you have a lot of information on your employees. So, you know, it may not be as simple as you think. So one resolution, figure out where your data is, how you're getting it, how you're storing it, you know, where it's going. Do that data mapping exercise, if you will, um, to really figure out what that data is. Because I think from there, you can start to put in place all of those policies um, that kind of takes us to the security side. Um, And I don't want Chandra and I to scare you with like all of the attacks. Um, You know, they do happen. But if we have these policies in place, you know, you can really minimize the damage Um, which I think is, you know, just another plug for getting these policies in place. To add to that from the security side, because I think that knowing what you have, obviously, Mm -hmm. is is like a big piece of it. If you don't even know or know where things are stored, that that's a huge part of it. And then, you know, the other piece, like, you know, I have like, I don't just say one, you're really good, but I just say one, I have like three things immediately. So I'll go. Go. I, um, <laughs> so one, like, I think you know this too. The whole reason, like I came to like, you know, I dissolved my, my own tech and security consulting business. Like I, the, the charcuterie, I was having a blast with like doing it. And stuff. and the entire reason I came to Arctic Wolf is because I truly feel like having, a security operations provider in place that it's going to happen. Like there is no more 
if it's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Like, it is happening. Like, it will happen where something's an incident, ransomware, something will come in. And so just knowing how do you contain it? What happens next? How quickly do you have somebody respond? I think the security operations piece of what we're doing is is truly a game changer in this industry. And like when I wrote, you know, my bio, you know, there is a mission to end cyber risk. I don't want it. We, we talked collectively before this, you know, between us, we have five boys. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of boys and the boys are going to be rowdy. And they're going to be clicking on a lot of things. And like, they're not even their information right now. I look at it like why I'm focusing even so much in like the education vertical right now, their information, like to have to put something like on hold with them because of what's going on. Like you, you gotta like in every layer in every industry, you gotta make sure that when something happens that you have something covered, um, clear ones, easy ones are, you know, having, you know, some kind of password management, Mm -hmm. everybody. And, you know, I say it all the time, especially to like relatives that aren't, you know, interested in it. They hear me over and over again, have, do not be using, please stop using the same password. Please stop like, you know, like, using something that's so easy to guess it's out there like and so you you use it you might not understand what that means and what that looks like but you use that in one place and then you use that in your bank and that's how they're going to take something that's more important to you Mm -hmm. and so really just there's so many password management tools out there that can be like really really helpful and easy to use where you you log into them with like a multi-factor and that would be my third thing. Definitely. Like the multi-factor is huge. Like when you look at any of the the regulations and, and anything that's coming out, even if you so get, you're talking things like face ID or fingerprint yep. or having different multi- codes, yep. numerical codes. Yep. And so it's something that you know and something that you have. And so typically it's, you know, what with like the multi-factor and how it usually works, it's it's saying like, hey, I'm logging in here. I know what my credentials are. I know what my password is. Now push an alert to my phone. And now I'm going to have to go verify it on my phone. And so you're having two steps versus too many, too many people are just logging in and they can get into your credentials and then they're logging in as you and they can get into all of your stuff. Whereas if they have to verify through something else, there's token, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. options for multi-factor, but if they have to verify something else and, and that's usually something that you have on you then it's harder. And there's also like, I mean, there's, you know, two factor, there's multi-factor. You can, you can get into it. Some people have like seven factors. And if you like almost any app that is collecting information from you, you can go to your settings and you can turn that on. Hmm. Um, that's probably, that should probably be our number one for individuals, let alone like business yeah. owners. That is my number one resolution. You know, don't even wait till 2022. Do that as soon as you listen to this podcast. Like, hit pause right now. Go open all of your important apps and turn on multi-factor authentication. And you'll see a lot of, I don't know if um, your banks, like a lot of the banks already have that, like Mm -hmm. all the apps have pushed that. And so they know, obviously, that financial and people's money is like what people like get the most anxious about. But treat your other things like that, too. Like, you don't want people seeing that Taylor Swift is your favorite. (laughs) I'm fine if people see that. What what they miss is Melon. Cookie monster, <laughs> uh, but you you don't. The more information that you know, you can keep, and it goes back again to the privacy mm-hmm. and everything too. It's like the more information that you know, you can keep contained. You don't want like the like we're only touching on a base. Like you don't want like a true identity theft in like a real mm-hmm. way. Because think about it too. If someone knows, you know, I love Taylor Swift then they're trying to guess my password. Taylor Swift, if you ever want to come on this podcast, if you're listening as well, you are invited. Definitely 
invited. (laughs) Taylor Swift, if you need help with turning on your multi-factor authentication, (laughs) I will help you. Um, We know what your passwords Yeah, you could guess my passwords, right? Right. You can, same way with like they say, don't use your pet's name. Your birthday. Because those are all pieces of information that are so easy to find. You know, they get access to your social media accounts, another place to turn on that multi-factor authentication. And... You know, they can guess. They're smart and they have the time to do it, which is crazy. You know, they're just sitting there. I actually had a client, not to go too off track, but I had a client who called because this is their busy time of year, like so many. And they recently were having um, like website issues because somebody was just entering a ton of credit cards and trying to guess the CVV numbers on the back. Tried 28,000 credit card numbers, crashed the site. Um, it's no breach of personal information, but it just shows you like the odd, like the, the ends that they're willing to go to. 28,000. And they were just guessing. They the, clearly do not have a house full of boys. <laughs> <laughs> no. They have a lot of time. Or life, but, <laughs> um, and they had 34 correct that they were able wow. to like process. But I mean, you know, they, they're smart, this collective they of cyber criminals, they're smart and they are like dedicated and they want it. So and it feels, I mean, if, for anybody that might be listening to like, if you've had it happen, like to your business or personally, it feels like a violation. Mm-hmm. It feels, you feel violated You in like, you don't know where it came from. You don't know how it happened. You don't know why you were the target a lot of times, but yet, you know, like, Hey, they took something that like I worked hard for. Like I, like, this is my business. This is my bank. This is my stuff. And I worked hard for this and it was, and it was taken. So people feel, feel violated. And usually like those are the people that end up turning on, like, you know, having multi-factor and doing things mm-hmm. because they've had something happen. But, you know, I just always say like, don't wait for it to happen to understand that like, you know, it, it's going to happen. Like don't wait for something bad to happen before you, you take action on it. It's like, don't wait to get your insurance until after you have a car accident. Like it just doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't work like that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you both. I want to just, first of all, let's cheers to those resolutions. Cheers. So we have the data mapping, multi-factor authentication. Cheers. We should have done this later in the I know we are all <laughs> cheersing our coffee right now. We really need, we really need some champagne or something. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, she talks a lot. Please listen in to our future podcast brought to you by Nixon Peabody. We'll be talking about a number of different issues, not just cybersecurity and privacy, but a number of issues that women business owners need to keep in mind. If you like today's conversation, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app. Like and follow She Talks Law on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to learn more about today's guests, ask a question, or even suggest a future topic, please visit shetalkslaw.com. And now the fun stuff. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Nixon Peabody, and should not be construed as legal advice. This podcast is not intended to create a lawyer-client relationship and listeners should not act upon anything expressed by presenters without seeking professional counsel. This podcast may constitute attorney advertising under various state ethical rules, and we note prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.